Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Well, uh, I'm a little embarrassed to say that one of my favorite movies is the Titanic. And um, I think it's because I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic at heart. And so, you know, Jack and Rose, it's probably, it's definitely not like a godly movie at all. Uh, the way that they pursue love and all that craziness in their adventures. Um, but needless to say, the, the Titanic is a very interesting ship. In fact, it's, it was, in 1911, it was one of the largest vessels um, to hit the sea, seas, if not the largest vessel to hit the seas. Now, a lot of construct went into the Titanic. It took a lot of knowledge to build this thing. There were over 10,000 light, or not light bulbs, but lamp bulbs used. There was about 15,000 workers from riveters to uh, different types of plumbers and welders. The contractors who worked with wood would build the staircases and a lot of the cabinetry. And then you had the architects that uh, would design the ship in their offices. But there was just so much that went into this ship. In fact, it was said that there they used about 22 tons of soap to kind of get it all on the sides of the ship so that it would slip into the ocean easily. 22 tons of soap. That's a lot of knowledge that goes into constructing this thing. So knowledge constructs the Titanic, but how many of you guys know wisdom keeps you from avoiding icebergs or helps you to avoid icebergs? A lot of knowledge went into this ship, but it didn't last very long because there wasn't a lot of wisdom. In fact, one of the statements that one of the, I don't know if he was one of the builders or founders, he said, not even God can sink this ship. And so knowledge constructs the Titanic. Wisdom avoids icebergs. I would also like to say that knowledge has the ability to take things apart, while wisdom has the ability to put things back together. Knowledge has the ability to know what the scriptures say. Wisdom has the ability to understand and apply them. Knowledge can build a house, but Proverbs 14 says that it's only a wise woman. It takes wisdom to build a home. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the difference between knowledge and wisdom, because knowledge is, is, uh, is very important. And so I'm not nullifying knowledge. Knowledge is super important. But we need both knowledge and wisdom. And I think we all know how it feels to have some knowledge of something, but suffer for a lack of wisdom. For example, uh, true story, I was actually, uh, I was moving Pastor James's sister. Um, this was a long time ago. And we had the knowledge to know we needed a truck and we needed to put the, the mattress in the back of the bed. And I said, I think we should tie this thing down. And I'm not going to say who told me not to, but we, we didn't end up tying it down. I'm on the freeway and I just hear, I look in the rear view mirror and this thing is flying in the air. True story. I'm like, Lord, let there not be an accident. So I pulled over to the side of the road and I watched like five cars. I've never seen a mattress implode. I mean, it was just, it was, it was crazy. I was dying laughing. It wasn't funny, but it was super funny. Um, but, but we all know, listen, we had some knowledge, but we lacked, we lacked some wisdom. Like many times, we, we have the knowledge to argue a point, but not the wisdom to preserve the relationship. 
Like we have the knowledge to communicate, but not the wisdom to connect. We can have the knowledge to know what we, what we need, but not the wisdom to devise a plan and execute it. And so, so I would just like to say, point blank, that knowledge without wisdom will cost you. It will cost you spiritually. It will cost you relationally. It will cost you financially. Proverbs says that it's the wise man that's happy. It'll cost you your happiness. It'll cost you opportunity. It will cost you your purity. It's a, it's a pretty big deal. In fact, that's why Proverbs 26 verse 12 says, listen, do you see a wise man in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than him. Apart from wisdom, there's, there's not much hope. And so what's the whole point of this message? The whole point is we need to get wisdom. This whole series, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get it. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Now, we're going to be all over the map. We're not just going to be in the book of Proverbs, but Proverbs is going to take up a majority of our time. So let me give you a little bit of a backdrop. Uh, King Solomon is the main contributor to Proverbs. Now, there, there's uh, a couple of other contributors as well. There's this one King uh, Lemuel, kind of a mysterious king, but it's full of axioms and idioms written over 3,000 years ago, but it's still just as relevant today as it was then. In fact, there's uh, one chapter for every day of the month. There's, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and I would encourage each and every one of you, if you already do not do this, just for the next eight weeks as we're diving through this together, just every day read a proverb. I, I really believe that it's going to help. It'll help you get the most from this series. Um, when you're kind of working and we're working on this together. So you're kind of at home, you're diving in, and then we're going to work through some of these. We're not going to cover and exhaust the book of Proverbs, but it's just a good rhythm to have in your life. One every single day, every day. But the book of Proverbs, Mark Batterson says it like this. The title of this book is Proverbs, not Pronouns. There is an action orientation to these Proverbs. Wisdom is not disembodied data. Wisdom is also not the ivory tower of information. It's not book smarts as much as it's street smarts. And so at the end of our life, we're hoping that God says, well done. The scripture doesn't say at the end of our life that God is going to say, hey, well thought, well said, well planned, good and faithful servant. No, the goal is that God will say, well done. Now, now no, no doubt, no doubt that well done is a derivative a derivative of well thought. So again, I'm not nullifying knowledge, but I'm saying that just like faith without works is dead, so is wisdom without action. And so, so you, anybody uh, use a GPS in your car? Anybody just, you're not good at directions anymore because you just rely on the GPS? You used to be so good at directions. I, I flew this last week to LA for a conference, flew there, flew back the same day. When I got back from the airport, my Uber driver, I could tell he just wasn't from here. And uh, he, was fr he just moved here from like a, a different state. And so he was relying on the GPS. He missed a couple turns, missed the freeway. I'm like, bro, dude, like listen to the lady. Um, but, but the GPS is only as valuable as, as it's, it's, it, only, it only creates value when you're moving. It's, this is Proverbs. Wisdom is a verb. It's not passive. It's proactive. And wisdom helps us to get 
to where God wants us to be. And so, so Proverbs talks about a few different types of people. The first one is this, is the simple. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. So simple, you, you could kind of come to the conclusion that it, it could be they just, they're lacking some knowledge and experience. Maybe they don't have some people around them that's, that's showing them how to do things. Maybe a little naive. The word simple in the Hebrew means an open door. Meaning the simple person doesn't know what to keep in their mind and what to take out. Right? So it's just kind of like they're, they're a little, little gullible, a little naive. And some of it could just be from lack of experience. Youth. Right? They need, they need to get some time under their belt. They need to, to learn some things. You know, it was said that, the, it was said that uh, in Africa, some of the, the uh, smaller elephants uh, were, started to kill all these different random animals. And they were trying to figure out, why are they attacking these animals? Well, the year before, they removed all the bulls and some of the, the female matriarchs out into another area and so, so the, the, the young elephants had no direction. So they just started killing stuff, and then they put the bulls back in, they put the matriarchs back in, and all of a sudden, all that killing stopped because they kind of showed them the tricks of the trade. And so, so some of us, we, I think all of us have a little bit of, of, of simple in us. Yeah. Like there's just things that we, we don't, we, we miss, right? We just, we, we don't catch it as easy. I remember um, Jackie and I, we went camping with her family. We, we stayed with her whole family in a cabin. Um, and, you know, that's always fun. And, and uh, her sister, I, I, was, I was getting ready to take a shower, and I, said, and I asked her sister, I said, hey, can I use your body wash? She said, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. And so, uh, so I, I went, took a shower, had a, everything was great. I came out. She said, here's the body wash. I was like, I just used the body wash. She's like, no, that, there's no body wash in there. I was like, dude, I just used, like, let me show you. I brought her to the bathroom, pulled out. It was summer's eve. She's like, she's like, that's not shower gel. Guys, you can Google that later. You'll, you'll, you'll catch it. All of us have a little bit of simple in us. So kids, trust your parents. And that's why we need people in our lives. That's why we need people to, to come alongside of us and help us to understand what we don't know. Some of you guys will get in the car. The second person is the fool. Now, the fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. So, so the fool just thinks that wicked schemes are fun. They, the, the fool thinks that they're a joke. Like, let's just do it. E even though there's signs everywhere warning me not to do this, the fool just says, hey, let's go. Who cares? When we were, we were in Kauai uh, on vacation a few months ago, it, it, was, it was crazy because there was this one beach called Lumahai, and it's like the most dangerous beach in Kauai. And there's signs that say, this is how many people died here. Tourists, don't go in the water. I mean, there's tons of signs. You will die if you get in the water. And there's like a dozen of them. So while we were there, some tourists blew right past the signs, got into the water. Some local kids rescued the first one. You know, these local kids are amazing. Like, they'll jump in some of the toughest waters, they just, but they, they, know, they know how to move in the, the currents and all that good stuff. So they saved one guy, but they said when they lifted up their head, it was just a moment's time. The other guy was already 200 yards out to sea, never found him. See, sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it leads 
to death. Right? So a lot of times God is giving us instruction, not simply for his good, but for our good. Because there's, there's danger ahead. And that's why I, there's, there's kind of an old cliche, right? You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But, but it's, it's, it's kind of true. As Proverbs says that if, if you walk with fools, you're going to suffer. If you walk with the wise, you're going to grow wise. But if you walk with foolish people, you're, you're going to suffer some, some folly. And I think about just God's grace on my life. There was uh, a time when I actually went out. This is when I got saved. I was in St. Louis with my mom on vacation. And I'll never forget, three of my friends were at a party. Bullets rang out. People got shot. People went to jail. There's no doubt in my mind I would have been there. And you just kind of look back of like, man, we, a, a lot of times I wasn't simply hanging around fools. I was a fool. My mama would call me a fool, right? Um, no, it, it was, it was, it, it was the, the company that we keep can, can make or break you. You know, bad company corrupts good character. But, but here, here's a good thing. If you've made some foolish decision, can I just tell you, God can redeem anything. God can turn your pain into purpose. Super cliche, but it's true. And that's why it's so important. We focus so much on, on what is God calling you to? What is your purpose? What is your, your God-given assignment in this season? Because it's a lot hard to be distracted by other things when you're focused on what God has for you. The fool. And then there's the mocker. The mocker is, is like the next level fool. So not only does the mocker do wrong, but the, rocker, the mocker criticizes the ones who do right. So, so the mocker wants to try to control through criticism. You guys ever been around somebody like that? Yes. Like you're trying to do the right thing and they're criticizing you? Yes. I remember when I, when I first got saved, I came back. Some of my friends were so proud of me. Others were like, you're a square now. He's a square. It's like, dude, I'm trying to do the right thing. Right? And so you see this on social media a lot. Um, people call it clickbait where you just have people that... They're, they're, they're super critical, and they're not looking for answers. They're looking for an argument. They want you to engage. And honestly, when you look at uh, the, the cure for the simple, you could say it's time. They, they, they need to get some experience under their belt. They need to get some wisdom around them. For the fool, you could say it's suffering. A lot of times the fool wakes up and say, oh, my, things are going terrible. But the mockers, you just got to pray for the mocker. The mocker, it's going gonna, gonna to take the Lord to deliver that person. And so Proverbs talks about the mocker or the scoffer. And, and then, in the Proverbs, then he talks about the wise. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Now to be wise, you don't have to be the smartest and you don't have to be the oldest. But there's a unique quality that we have to get and it's called Teachability. See, what's amazing is the wise says, hey, if, if you teach the righteous, they will add to their learning. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Like, the, the beautiful thing about the wise person is you can correct them, and they're going to say, thank you for telling me. Like, my heart is teachable. I'm flexible. I don't get defensive. See, when you and I value self-reliance and self-dependence, we get ourselves into trouble. Because we need the Lord and we need God's people around us. There is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And so some of us were on little islands 
And God's like, man, I have so much more for you than that. So what am I saying? I'm saying you correct the simple. They look at you like, huh? You correct the fool. What do they do? They ignore you. Correct the mocker. They get angry at you. Correct the wise. They say, thank you. Man, I, I really needed that. Now, now I love how C.S. Lewis frames this. He said, if you want to summarize the difference between modern times and ancient times, the wise men of old, the main problem was how to conform the soul to reality. Like, how do I get my soul in a line with God, with what's really real? And the solution was knowledge, self-discipline, and virtue or wisdom. The modern way is how do I subdue our reality to our wishes. Like, how do I subdue reality to fit my soul? And the solution is technique. Meaning wisdom, it, 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 it takes some, some work. Now, now we're going to talk about where it actually comes from, but, but in the modern day, we, in, we, we don't necessarily want the, the self-discipline. We don't want the virtue. We don't even necessarily want time to to take to get the knowledge it's just give me a tactic give me just a quick little nuance so I can like is there a way I can pray that God just God will just answer me people people sometimes will come up and and they'll ask hey how do I how do I know God's will like can is there a prayer I can pray what they're saying is I give me a technique rather than taking time to really get to know him You see, wisdom isn't simply found in a principle. Wisdom is found in a person. And and his name is Jesus. His name is the Father. His name is Holy Spirit. And so 1 Kings 3, verse 5, 7 and 9 says, this is where it all began. Solomon is having this moment with the Lord. It says, one night at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, ask and I will give it to you. What a great offer. God says, just ask, what do you want? And I'll give it to you. It reminds me of King David after he sinned with Bathsheba. God had given King David so much. And God told him, man, if that wasn't enough, you should have just asked me for more. I would have gave it to you. But he says, what, what? Just ask and I'll give it to you. And and now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in, the midst of your, is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people, too many to be numbered, counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? So, so Solomon is like, I'm in way over my head. I'm, I'm king. God, you're, 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 the task is way bigger than me. And he could have asked God for anything, especially as a young man. He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for power. He could have asked for more luxuries. He could have asked for better military. But he says, no, no, I want an understanding mind. And the funny thing is, is Solomon ended up having all of that. I mean, the guy threw parties you and I can only dream of. The guy built, you know, there was buildings and castles. I mean, the guy was just lived a life that we'll never be able to fathom. But, but the cry was, give me understanding. I want an understanding mind. See, the Hebrew word for an understanding mind is really, it's, it really, it comes from this notion of give me a heart with the skill to listen. Mm. 
Like, I, I, I want to I know how to listen properly so then I can make a proper judgment. I want to listen to a point of understanding. See, in, in the Hebrew mind, the heart was not really the seat of the emotions as much as it was personal awareness, as much as it was the place where we make judgments from, good and sound judgments. And, and so, so he says, I want you to make me a king that's skilled to listen before making decisions, before making judgments and, and decrees. That's just, that's huge. I mean, imagine if that was the cry of your heart. God, give me a heart with the skill to listen. That's, I mean, that's, and, and what it takes though, listen, it's not a quick technique. I mean, for him to, to come to this place, that's, that's humility. No, notice his motivation has nothing to do with himself. It's about God. It's about his people. It's about making the right choices. Like, God, this task that you have for me, it's all about serving others. That's huge. Time and energy. He could have just said, God, I just want everything to whatever. No, but when you go after wisdom, it takes time. It takes, it takes some energy. And we're going to see, not, not like you think, not like you think, but you gotta, you got to take some, some time to get some knowledge under your belt. It, it's the challenge between having our will overshadow God's will. Solomon says, I don't want that. I want to make sound judgments. And so we see what, what, what is happening here. There's, there, there's an exchange. And what, what we're learning from this moment is, yeah, knowledge is important and we got to garner that and, and, and wisdom helps us to live, a, you know, a more disciplined life because we're, we're pursuing God and, and we're, we're serving him in light of his mercy. So we lay our lives down as living sacrifices. And, and yeah, there's, there's some different aspects, but ultimately we need to come to this reality is that wisdom comes from God. This is it. I, I love what Vance Havner says. He said, if you lack knowledge, go to school. If you lack wisdom, get on your knees. Get on your knees. So Solomon was like, listen, I, I know, God, that I, I need what only you can give me. I, I want heavenly wisdom. Now, I would define wisdom like this. Is wisdom is God-given and God-centered discernment. Obtaining God's direction and understanding regarding the practical issues in life. Again, Knowledge can take something apart, but wisdom practically knows how to put it back together. And so it's so important that we understand that wisdom starts with God because when you understand who he is, that's why, listen, knowledge, of, knowledge is, is very important because if you don't know who God is, you're going to totally miss it. And so a couple of attributes of God is he is omniscient, meaning he is all-knowing. How many of you guys know there's some things we don't know? Like you did some things this week. And people around you are like, you don't know. <laughs> like we're reminded of our frailty all the time, our limitations. But God is all-knowing. How many of you guys know that I, 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 could, I could use some of that knowledge? He's also omnipresent, meaning God is all places at one time. Like he's everywhere all the time. How many of you guys know that changes Perspective. God has a pretty good perspective on things. He sees every angle. Like sometimes with my kids, I'm like, 
Daddy just sees way more than you sometimes. Sometimes I do. They see more than me. But they're just so bent sometimes on, no, like, you're just not, you're wrong. I, I just, no, I, my perspective, listen, my perspective is so much grander in this area. And so God has a perspective that you and I need. And he's also omnipotent, meaning he's, he's all powerful. God has some experience under his belt. Like he created the heavens and the earth. And you and I, how about we just stop there? That's a lot of experience. And so, so I, I know when we talk about wisdom, right away it's like, hey, P. Matt, give me something practical that's going to make my life easier right now. And I would say this. Before we think about direction, we have to first think about foundation. If you miss the foundation of wisdom, I can give you all the practical things in the world. And you may be able to apply some. You may be able to use some. And they, it may help you. But can I just tell you, if you miss the foundation, you really miss the starting point. You miss it all. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord. And I know some of you, some of you saints, you already knew where I was going with this. But I might be going in a place that you think you know, but maybe you don't know. So you should lean in. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge. So again, knowledge is important. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So our knowledge of God has a huge implication on what it looks like to fear him. Now, this is a little bit strange because when we talk about fear, we always think it's a negative term in the scripture, right? There's 365 times, I believe it says, fear not in the Bible. One for every day of the year. You have things that, you have uh, passages of scripture, perfect love, cast out all fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear not. But there, there's two ways to be afraid in the presence of someone. Number, number one, you can, if you're in the presence of somebody that you're afraid is going to hurt you because there's distrust, that's one, that, that, that's one aspect of fearing somebody. Because I just don't know, are you going to hurt me with your words? Are you, are you going to do something to me? I just, I just don't know. And, and then there's kind of an awe of somebody. There's, there's kind of a... a it's a different type of a fear. We took our, our, our girls to see um, Bethany Hamilton last night. We surprised them. Bethany Hamilton, if you don't know who she is, she was the a surfer from Kauai where the shark bit off her arm and then God has used her testimony all around the world. Kids love her. And, uh, and so we, we, we took our PKs to, to go and see her and our pastor's kids. And man, can I just tell you the, the look? It was like, she's right there. She's right. I mean, my daughter came up to me t uh, today, like it was right before service started. She's like, Dad, or right before first service started, she said, Dad, I just cannot believe I was in the presence of Bethany Hamilton. I can't believe I got to talk to her. Okay. Right? So, so there, there is a negative fear in somebody's presence because of distrust. But there's also a positive fear. And that positive fear is focused more on the other person. It's more, I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to dishonor them. I don't want to grieve them. I appreciate them. Right, right, there's a sense of, of, of adoration. See, the negative fear is all about self. I'm afraid you're going to hit me. Positive fear is all about the other person. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to hurt you because I love and I honor you. I'm in awe and of wonder before you. 
So, so like if I, if I put the Mona Lisa into your hand right now, if I said, John, here you go, bam. You're going to probably look like a guy that's holding a baby for the first time. You ever see a guy hold a baby for the first time? It's like this. You're like, bro, you can breathe. They're a lot more resilient than you think. It's like, no, take the baby back. But you're, you're going you're gonna to hold that Mona Lisa, not in fear of it's going to hurt you, but you're going to hold this multi, multi-gazillion dollar painting in your hands with an awe and a fear that you might hurt it. It's totally different. Negative fear, it's, it's focused on you. This positive fear, this fear of the Lord, this awe of the Lord, this joyful fear, this honor, this love is, 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 is not about you at all. And how different is that than just believe, how different is that than just believing in God? Most people that believe in God believe in him and look to him with a negative fear because they have a lack of understanding of who he is. Because listen, knowledge and a knowledge of the Holy One, it leads to understanding and it leads to a proper fear a proper awe, a, pro- a proper reverence. So fear of the Lord, it's a joyful fear. It's, 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 it's something that is like, oh my God, like, I love you. I honor you. Negative fear is all about us. Positive fear is all about the other person. My dog looks scary. So it looks super scary. He got out the other day. One of the guys was driving. Is that your, whose dog is that? Be careful. I'm like, it's my dog. He, but if you know him, like you look at him, point back, handsome guy. <laughs> but he looks terrifying. The guy came over, uh, who came over? Um, somebody came over. Uh, I think God had fixed the sprinklers. And instantly they see my dog. He's like, whoa, you got to lock your dog up, girl. But if you get to know him, he's like the happiest dog in the world. Like, he's like, like, happy dog. Like, Pastor James's dog, like, beats him up all the time. He's tail still wagging. Just like, I'm just happy that I have engagement and we're playing. Like, he's the most happiest dog on the world, in the world. I mean, but, but you got to get to know him. And so, so when we have this kind of relationship with God where he means everything to us, there's a joyful fear. Can I just tell you, you're, you're on the brink of wisdom. The foundation is being laid. And in that place, you don't care what others think. There's a, there's a newfound freedom. And so you're just in awe. You're just, he's just captivated your awe. So it's like, I don't really care. I'm not, I'm not worried about that over there. I'm not. I mean, you know how many people didn't come to church today just because it was a beautiful day outside? Facts. I already saw like, oh, do we want to sleep in a little bit? It's beautiful on the beach. I'm so tired of the world getting our awe. Captivating our hearts. Like, like when, when, when God has our awe, there's a humility that's produced. There's a freedom. There's an ease. There's an openness to correction. Because it's like, God, I want a mind of understanding. I want the skill to listen the way that you've called me to. And you say, well, well how do we get there? And it, it, it's, it's amazing because you're probably not going to believe me when I tell you this. And, and it's going to wreck your mind. You really want to know how we start to get there, how this foundation is laid. You ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. If you want to become wise, you have to first become a fool. Oh, now he's playing tricks. <laughs> Word plays. What does he mean by this? 
You know the difference between a saved person and a religious person? A saved person that understands the gospel, understands all that Christ has done for them, understands the cross, and a religious person trying really, really hard, positive and negative fear. One person thinks God's going to hit them. The other person is like, um, I have a treasure that I don't want to mess up. Like, oh my, like, oh my goodness, God. But when you put Proverbs in the context of the whole Bible, there's negative and positive fear, but there's also a negative and positive foolishness. In fact, Paul says it like this. He says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know, I love that, we know that it's the very power of God. Cross is foolish to the world. We used to have this old saying back in the day, like, I'm a fool for Christ. Everybody thinks I'm ridiculous. Everybody thinks this and that. But when Jesus came, he said, I've come to bring the kingdom. I've come to eradicate evil and tackle injustice. Again, you would think he would come as a general, just smash everybody. Or you would think that he would come as a philosopher and maybe win them with influence. But he goes to the cross. Jews thought it was ridiculous. Romans were like, hey, it's just the way that we torture people. Greeks were like, oh, what kind of a king is that? It's foolishness to the world. But when we look at all the injustice and evil in the world, we all have a theory of why. Different theories. Isn't it funny how we always point to other people? It's them or it's them. It's because this, because this. You notice how we never point to ourselves? Like maybe there's still some brokenness inside of us. It's so easy to point the other finger. It's so easy that this is the problem in the world. This is the problem in the world. This is the problem. This is the problem. But in reality, the reason why we never think of ourselves because we're wise in our own eyes. And it's so easy to fall prey to this. And the Bible says there's not much hope for that. So we got to really guard against that. Because it was only by going to the cross and, and Jesus taking our punishment we deserve, it, it was the only way that God could someday eradicate evil without eradicating us. It seemed foolish to the world. But somebody who was wise in their own eyes, the cross, it just looks ridiculous. But, but I, I love how the Bible says that even the foolishness of God is, is way more smarter than the wisdom of man. It's not until I admitted that I am a fool in need of a savior. I, I, I need a savior. And I still need him. You said, well, Pastor Matt, how do I get to that place? Or how do I get back there? I love what Psalm 130 verse 4 says, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared and worshiped with submissive wonder. So, well, how do I get back there? Just do you realize the forgiveness and the grace of God? Like, if this is old to you right now, like if you've been in church for a while, you're like, oh, forgiveness. Okay, forgiveness. Your foundation is flawed. This should be the most joyous thing to you. Like this should, listen, let me say it like this. If this seems average to you, you just lost your awe. And you need to look at this again so that you can get it back. Like, like all that you've done for me, God. 
when I didn't deserve it. That now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, oh my God, I'm a fool. Listen, in Christ, the beautiful thing is there's no condemnation. But there's opportunity to come back. Look at this again. I mean, at point blank, it doesn't make sense. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Huh. What kind of fear are you talking about? A submissive wonder. Can I ask you a simple question today? Do you have a joyful fear of the Lord? Are you in awe of him? Does he have your awe? So many things want our awe. The storm wants our awe. Remember, Peter was, had his eyes on Jesus. Storm was around him. He's walking on the water, just eyes fixed. Jesus has his awe. And then he looks at the storm. What did the storm capture? It captured his awe. Your soul. Does God have your awe? Do you need to look at the cross again? Because what has your awe will have your heart. And he says the beginning of wisdom, the foundational piece is awe of God. It is awe of God. So one simple question today. Does he have your awe? If not, you say, well, he doesn't anymore. Okay, well then look back at some of those altars. You know, one of the things that helps me in my marriage, because I love my wife more than I did in the beginning, but there's times when she gets on my nerves. And vice versa. Times where I find myself like irritated and short with her. Anybody know what that feels like? There was a time the other day, I tried really hard to be present. There was a time the other day she was talking to me. You ever not be present and then you try to clean it up? Like you try to pretend like you know what they're talking about afterwards, but you know like I just missed like five minutes of what you said. And I tried that the other day. She was talking about something. I was like, oh yeah, I think it's a, I think, you know, maybe this. She was like, what? I was like, yeah, you're talking about this, right? She's like, I, was, I made no reference to that. Well, I thought you did. I thought, well, don't try to clean it up. Just say you weren't listening. It works way better. But can I just tell you, I, go, I always go back often to this time where I would have died to have been with my wife. I remember Tom sitting in my car. My stomach is sick, and I'm crying to Pastor James. Like, I just don't know if she likes me. She likes, baby, she likes me. It's a true story. I, I, he's right here. It's true. And God gave her to me. And so instantly when I go back to those altars, that sense of privilege starts to fill my heart again. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to cherish you. I want to, I can't believe I'm with you. I can't believe God gave you to me. Instantly changes the whole dynamic of awe. And so some of you today, listen, we just need to go back to the altars. We need to go back and remember all that God has done. Remember the faithful time. Remember that, that time where you were like, God, if you get me out of this, and he does, and he did. My God, I'll never do that again. God, play. remember those moments? And can I just tell you, if you've never had those moments with God, man, he is such a gracious God where you can cry out to him in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your turmoil, and he'll meet you in that space. 
Who has your all? Let me pray for you. Father, as we lay the foundation today of wisdom, we're not looking simply for a principle of direction. We need to look to you, the person and the foundation of it all. Something happens when you captivate us, God, when there's a submissive wonder as we follow you. We hold you in a different place. We hold your word in a different light. Things are a lot more serious, but a lot more liberating. And there's so many things begging for our attention, begging for our awe. But Lord, would you reveal the idols today? Lord, would you awaken our hearts again to the beauty of the cross? Lord, would you awaken our hearts again to the beauty of your grace and your forgiveness, God? Lord, would you just captivate our hearts once again? Lord, some of us, we're, we're doing really well. <laughs> like like we're, our doctrine is solid and we're not putting up with a lot of debaucherous things, but we've lost our first love. We're straight away from loving you the way we used to. So I'm just asking God that you would remind us this week of those altars, those moments where we didn't deserve it, but you met us there that we would look at the cross until it penetrates our heart in such a way that a fresh awe, a submissive wonder would come back and stir our affections for you once again. Lord, that you would be out in the forefront, that you and you alone would have our eyes. So listen, if you're here today, this is we wrap up. If you just say, Pastor Mike, I need, I really need to get my awe back. Would you just slip up your hand so I can see you? I just want a time of response. Remember, wisdom is it's active. Yep, I see your hand. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. It's great. Awesome. Yep, I see. So good. Yep. It's great. Awesome. I see your hand. Yep. Yep. Lord, I pray for every hand and every heart. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Stir their hearts once again, God. Help them to see you clearly, love you deeply, and follow you wholeheartedly. Lord, all the things that are trying to beg for our attention here and there, Lord, may in the light of your beauty they grow strangely dim. Ignite that awe again in our hearts, Jesus. Lord, as we look to your word, as we look to the cross, ignite it again. Lord, even as the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says, man, as, as he talked to us about the scriptures, did our hearts not burn within us? Ignite it again, God. And bring us back to a heart of worship. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.